Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. Drew, happy Halloween, or should I say Guten Morgen. Drew is heading across the pond tomorrow to Frankfurt, Germany for the Road to D1 Combine All-Star Bowl, something like that. Drew, you're going to see some of the best prospects in the world internationally. We're going to talk about that trip a little bit later. We're going to get to our Team of the Week our freshman of the week, and then a little bit of a commit rundown and a decommitment rundown as well. A lot to touch on on this show. But, Andrew, the Boston Bruins last night, they get the best of the Florida Panthers. You, you weren't watching that. You were watching a little bit of soccer. Is that what I hear? Yeah, man. Uh, Orlando City family is season ticket holders. I played for the club growing up, uh, or I should say the club that is now owned by the club. The, the youth club. Yeah, we're watching a little bit of that. Coop, it's Halloween. I thought I was going to see you in some type of costume this morning when I uh, opened up the Skype link. You got nothing for me. <laughs> this is it, dude. I'm actually Jackson Maine. Star is born. Bradley Cooper, baby. I'm just trying to round into form slowly but surely there. Drew, the uh, our, our teams right now, I talked about the Panthers a little bit earlier. The Pels. Right, we're two games into the season. They can't stay healthy. Brandon Ingram misses last night against uh, the Warriors. Steph Curry goes off. Knee soreness. That type of uh, that type of year already for the Pels. So let's get into a little football. Let's bring in uh, Ryan McGrady for some McNuggies and also the random college football player of the day. Big, big game this weekend in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, LSU top fifteen matchup. Ryan McGrady, who we got? Today we got an LSU legend defensive tackle, Glenn Dorsey. Dorsey attended East Ascension High School in Gonzales, Louisiana, where he was the 4A Defensive Player of the Year. His junior year, he had over 100 tackles and 12 sacks. He played at LSU from 20, uh, 2004 through 2007 under Nick Saban and Les Miles, went 43-9 and nine and won two SEC West titles. And part of the reason we picked him, he never lost to Alabama. He played them four times, went 4-0. And in 2007, he had an all-time great season. He won the 2007 Outland Trophy, Lombardi Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Trophy, Lott Trophy, was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, unanimous All-American, 
the first player in LCU history to win any of those awards, and he won a 2007 national championship uh, to go along with his 179 ta career tackles, 27 DFLs, 13 sacks, ended up being the fifth pick of the uh, draft in 2008 by the Kansas City Chiefs, then eight seasons in the NFL, KC, and San Francisco. Now he lives with his family in Calabasas, and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, in the College Football Hall of Fame in 2021. One of the best of all time to wear the purple and gold. Drew, do you remember him growing up as a kid? I do, Cooper. I remember him with that like 75th anniversary SEC patch on the uh, on the jersey. That was like a classic. Maybe that's because that was the impressionable age for me, or I don't know. I think I was in high school when they were rocking that. Uh, the other thing that stood out, I thought Glenn Dorsey was bigger. I went back 6014 at his pro day. I thought he was a bigger dude. That shocks me. I would I would have thought like 6'3", 330 pounds or so. That, uh, yeah. that kind of blows my mind a little bit. All right, before we get into the team of the week, just a disclaimer. Drew and Ryan McGrady, they're okay. They're just mobile this week. So if you don't see the normal backgrounds and you're a little bit panicked there, Drew's in Orlando, I think. Right, Drew? Or I don't know. Are you in Fort Lauderdale? Flight tomorrow, flying I'm in, out. I'm, <laughs> Where are you? I'm in Orlando. I'm, I'm flying out of MCO, all right? This is like a mobile studio. I've been asking my family to set up a backdrop for about a month now, and it has not happened. So I'm in a bedroom with a painted wall behind me. I, I try to figure it out. And then McGrady won up to you. I think McGrady is in a closet right now. I don't know where, where are you McGrady? <laughs> I'm in a closet. <laughs> Something like that. I got to blur it out, but that's okay. All right, let's get to the uh, team of the week real quick. Actually, before we do that, I'm going to promo Andrew Ivins, Cooper Patagna. You are listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast, wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple included. You're also watching us on YouTube, on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. We appreciate you guys joining us today. Also, throw us a like on there. Smash the subscribe button as well before we get started. Drew, the team of the week. I'm going to start with the Oregon Ducks. Big win over Utah. Utah have been playing everybody well this season. That's a tough team to beat in Salt Lake City. They beat the Utes 35-6 to behind Bo Nix. A very efficient day from him. Ryan McGrady, give us a little uh, context on this game, please. Yeah, you mentioned tough to beat Utah and Salt Lake City, and Oregon goes in there and uh, has a 35-6 beatdown to snap the Utes' 18-game home win streak. Uh, Oregon becomes the first team to win at Utah with fans in attendance since USC in 2020, a span of 28 games, and they're being led by Bo Nix, who leads FBS with a 78.3 completion percentage this, this season. He's the third player joining Joe Burrow and Colt McCoy uh, since 2000 to complete 78% of his passes through the first eight, eight games of the season. I don't think people really understand how well Bo Nix is playing. The other thing about this is Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator last year, gets hired by Arizona State, the head coach there. Oregon brings in Will Stein, and it seems like Oregon just hasn't missed a beat. Drew, how about this? I know you're into the Heisman odds. Last week, I couldn't believe my eyes. I could be wrong here. McGrady, I'm going to need a fact check from you on this. Bo Nix was plus 2,000, and then after this game against Utah, he shoots up to plus 400. He's number four in the Heisman race, according to Vegas right now, eight straight games over 70% completion through for 248 yards, two touchdowns. Troy Franklin did his thing as well. Drew, the final four games for Oregon, three out of the four at home. You got Cal, USC, and Oregon State at home. Only one road game over the next four at Arizona State. Drew, I think this is one of the most dangerous teams in football. I know this is a recruiting podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Oregon's doing on the recruiting trail as well, especially on the defensive line. 
Dude, I just feel like it, this time of year, it's all about who's playing the best ball. I kind of got Oregon circled right now. I would not be shocked if they end up getting into the college football playoff. Well, you want to talk about Bo Nix, and rightfully so, but what about just Oregon at the point of attack? And last week I came on here, Utah, Kyle Whittingham, my team of the week. This is the second week in a row that that team has then lost the following week with Utah going down to Oregon. It was North Carolina the week before losing to Virginia after they beat Miami. I'm just impressed with what Dan Lanning, the Danimal, has done in the trenches on both sides of the ball. It it feels like an SEC front. I know Oregon is moving to the Big Ten, but you got to think this unit's going to be able to match up physically uh, with future opponents. And I'm talking over the next few years. Like Kyle Whittingham said it. Uh, quote unquote, we very rarely get out physical, but today we got out physical on the line of scrimmage. If you had to see what the biggest single problem in the entire game was, that was it. Uh, I just, I mean, I've been impressed. And I know you mentioned Elijah rushing five-star defensive lineman. Uh, he ends up committing to Oregon on Monday. You've teased it in the past. The Ducks have one of the top, uh, you know, defensive line classes in the country. When's the last time we talked about a team on the West Coast having that? But really, the top four commits for Oregon in this 2024 cycle are all point of attack, physical type of guys. Aiden Breathen, Elijah Rushing, Braden Platt, and then Jaquan McRoy, who's a mammoth of a human out of the state of Alabama. Coop, I mean, you want to talk about Oregon? I think go back to the season opener last year. They got boat raced by Georgia in Atlanta to open up this season. Be interesting if those two teams line it up right now, because I don't think that gap is as big as it once was. And Dan Landing has done an excellent job of turning things around and getting adjusted quickly. That game feels like 10 years ago, you know, and I'm with I you. I think, I think Oregon could line up against UGA right now, and that would be a close game. I think that would probably Georgia maybe favored by a touchdown in that game, less than one possession. Drew, the other thing about this and, and the finality here, what I want to end on, you talk about Utah, that rushing attack. They finished with five rushing first downs. Four of those came in the last two drives for Utah. So you want to talk about point of attack play for Oregon, Oregon being able to establish the line of scrimmage against, let's face it, right, the bully of that league the last two years in Utah. you got to go through them. You, Oregon did that in Salt Lake City, a big feat for them. Drew, your team of the week, Georgia, they beat Florida 43-20. to And before we let you cook on that, Ryan McGrady, a little bit more context, please. Georgia extends the, their school record 25-game win streak, the longest active win streak in the nation, and the fourth longest in SEC history with their 43-20 to win over Florida. They are 8-0 for the third straight season and for the fourth time under Kirby Smart. And uh, Carson Beck just keeps getting it done. He... he uh, we mentioned Bo Nix earlier. He and Bo Nix are the only two quarterbacks in FBS to complete at least 65% of their passes in every game this season. Well, no Brock Bowers, no problem. Coop, I don't know how much you watched of this game. I, I was dialed in for the first half. Didn't really care to see much of the second half. I mean, Georgia, they go down early and then they rattle off, what was it, 36 straight points and just pull away. I think this was a reminder from Kirby Smart and the folks in Athens just how far Florida is behind them. And we have praised the Gators and Billy Napier, what he did on the recruiting trail last cycle, what he is doing this cycle, uh, you know, getting LJ McCray, DJ Lagway. But there is still a ways to go, I, I think, between those two teams, just talking about 
the talent, the two deep. I mean, there is a sizable gap, and that was on full display, right? Bowers isn't there. Oscar Delp, you know, I don't think most college football fans know who Oscar Delp was. We do. We've scouted him. You know, then he makes a one-handed snag early on in the first quarter. You know, I was sitting with someone, they're like, who's that? I'm like, well, this guy was a top 247 talent. I mean, this guy's stepping up. I think what really, though, stood out to me on defense is Florida, they came out, tried to out-scheme. I thought it was an excellent scripted drive. Get The Gators got the ball to Trey Wilson, a dynamic talent. They go down the field. Uh, but then Georgia adjusted, and they suffocated them. I mean, Florida couldn't go north, south, east, west. Georgia's defenders were all over the place. And Cooper, how about this? They played, let me find it. Where is it? Uh, Ten different edge rushers and six different interior linemen. That's how many Georgia did. Now, I know the score in the second half kind of you're rotating the bench in. But, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches for the Bulldogs. Gabe Harris, Samuel Mpemba, Damon Wilson, they all got snaps. Jalen Walker, who we loved two cycles ago, is in there making plays. I mean, to me, the message here was Georgia is still clearly the top dog. And then Carson Beck, nine different passes over 15 yards. He's rounding into form, did it there in in uh, in his home city of Jacksonville. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news if you're not a Georgia fan, but man, look at this 2024 recruiting class. And they're just reloading again. And it's 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 going to be more of the same, I think. It's kind of funny. We talked about Georgia's front seven in the, in the beginning of the season. I don't know, maybe week three or week four. They were one of the last in the country in terms of being able to get to the quarterback. You look against Florida this week, four sacks. That's certainly an encouraging sign if you're a Georgia fan. Drew, you brought up the other stat as well. Nine passes that went 15 yards plus for Georgia in that offense. That is a huge deal for Mike Bobo. And the other thing about this, if you're Carson Beck, you're not sacked in this game as well. Graham Mertz on the other side, we talked about being sacked four times. That's going to change your outlook on that game. Comfortable Georgia's passing attack, starting to pick it up, the running game as well. Drew, we talked about Oregon getting hot, and I think people don't talk about Georgia because it's expected, right? That's the expectation. But this is one of the hottest teams in college football. That's the scarier thing. We talked about the beginning of the year, right? They were down uh, at halftime to Auburn in South Carolina. They come back, they win those games. Those end up being confidence builders for a team still, believe it or not, trying to find their identity in search of a third straight national title. And there you see the schedule, Drew. Pretty tough next two weeks. Missouri, Ole Miss, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech, who has improved as well under Brent Key. Drew, I I don't know if they go unscathed there over the next four weeks, but this is a team that certainly looks like, I don't know if there's one elite team in college football. I think Georgia is still the team that you have to go through. Yeah, that final four-game stretch. I think Georgia, if you look at some of the metrics out there, has played the easiest schedule to date nationally. I think it ranks like 130, anywhere from 130 to 133 based on what service you're looking at. But man, those four games, three ranked opponents and then Georgia Tech, I would not want to play Georgia Tech right now. So there you have it, Teams of the Week, Oregon and Georgia, both teams surging to the top of college football. Now it's time for a true freshman of the week and a guy that we told you about in the beginning of the season when we highlighted potential impact freshmen in the ACC. How about Eric Singleton, Drew? This guy's name just keeps popping up. Big win over North Carolina for the Yellow Jackets. Eight receptions, 117 yards. And I'll tell you what, you turn on the tape, more impressive. I mean, this is a guy who can do a lot of different things, and it really wasn't complicated, right? But you talk about him being able to con- 
create consistent separation. Had a nice go ball as well. Made a 50-50 catch that you see right here. Drew, it seems like Georgia Tech, Brent Key, they have found something in this young man. You go back to the high school profile, sub 10-7 in the 100 meters, also a guy that was a state qualifier in the 400 meter in the long jump as well. He has made the transition to college football quite seamlessly. And Drew, a guy that I know you like. We had him as the number 73 receiver in the country out of the state of Georgia, also with the 88 overall grade. That is a high three-star grade. But Drew, not a surprise. I think both you and I are happy to see him doing his thing. Yeah, and I think Eric Singleton kind of provides some perspective, right? We are rapidly approaching the early signing period. We always talk about it. All these guys are already off the board, but you're noticing flips are happening right now. Go on 247sports.com, click on that decommit list. You'll see a lot of G5 guys opening things back up. And Eric Singleton is a prospect that Western Kentucky picked up a commitment for Early on in his senior season, he goes on to catch 65 passes for 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns there in the Peach State. Auburn came calling. Uh, Georgia Tech came calling. So he took some official visits, and he ended up in Atlanta staying there. Now he's making an impact as a true freshman. So I think he's a reminder that these senior seasons are big for some prospects, and guys can take major strides forward. And Eric Singleton is just that. I think it's an excellent find. Or Brent Key, I just mentioned it. I'm Georgia. I don't know if I want to play Georgia Tech right now. You, you know, they seem to uh, be able to score unexpectedly at times. Remember against the Miami game, you know, all all odds against them, they go down there and win it. But Eric Singleton certainly, certainly has been impressive, um, Coop. And, you know, I, I went back in my notes and, and looked it up and I said, hey, when he originally committed to Western Kentucky, you know, no one's going to notice this one. Uh, but this was would have been a big steal for the Hilltoppers. They lose him. Yellow Jackets get him, and I think he's going to be a star there for Brent Key uh, at Georgia Tech. Is it fair to say Western Kentucky is one of the most intriguing group of five recruiting programs out there? It seems like every year you kind of go back, especially at the skill position where they have a guy like Eric Singleton or two, that like if I'm a Power Five program, those are the guys that I'm studying I'm keeping a close eye on. Yeah, I just I was grading last night, like some of their recent commits from the state of Florida. I'm like, OK, get this take. OK, get this take. Could see this guy hitting. Uh, no, they do a really, really good job. And they got some guys on staff with ties to both Georgia and Florida. Um, you know, they, they quietly, I think, are impressing as as talent evaluators. All right, Drew, your freshman of the week, a former top 247 standout from St. Louis, Missouri, Christian Gray, Notre Dame. I was I was happy to see this one stepped up right when they needed him. Notre Dame, big win over Pittsburgh this weekend. Drew, what would you like from Christian Gray? We had the one-handed interception, leaping interception. I don't know if you saw it. Benjamin Morrison didn't play against Pittsburgh for Notre Dame. Then Cam uh, Hurt gets injured. That results in Christian Gray playing a season-high 42 defensive snaps. You know, he earned a 77.6 grade from PFF, helped limit the Panthers to just 127 passing yards. Christian Gray, you know, he's a guy we liked a lot. He had the tools, got injured there as a senior. And Cooper, if you remember when we were doing our uh, potential impact freshman, I talked with Tom Loy, who does an excellent job of covering Notre Dame. And he said the staff really liked what they had seen out of Christian Gray. He was creating some turnovers in preseason camp. I think the big takeaway here is if you're Notre Dame, like you have cornerback depth, 
and the future of that cornerback room looks strong. Gray, to me, just going through you know what they took in the 2023 cycle, what they have committed in the 2024 cycle, he's a guy that I think has the highest ceiling of the bunch. So for him, you know, eight weeks into the season to be going out there uh, and making a play like that, I think it's a good sign of things to come. I would expect him to be a key piece of that secondary moving forward. And I just... I remember seeing him, I think, at, at an Atlanta pylon tournament. And, uh, you know, he was long-framed, uh, can make plays, and he could change directions well. So glad to see Christian Gray making an impact there in South Bend. And how about that win for Notre Dame? I mean, they, they essentially ran him out of the building. Notre Dame's done a good job in their secondary with guys that I think we've liked. But it, it, we, we wouldn't go as far as, like, we love that guy coming out, right? Benjamin Morrison was one of those guys. He plays early. He's a true freshman All-American. Now you look at Christian Gray. You said it. Played over 40 snaps for the first time all season. Drew, you turn on the tape. I really liked what I saw from him. Comfortable in zone. Comfortable in man-to-man. Didn't look like, you know, he was kind of um, a guy trying to figure it out on the go. Uh, if they can get him going, you love the future of Notre Dame secondary. Obviously, a big plus to get him some run at this point in the season. Now, Ryan McGrady, we're going to welcome you back into the show from your closet, and you're going to tell us about your redshirt freshman of the week. Yeah, redshirt freshman of the week, the 2022 quarterback out of Sarah Gardena, four-star Malik Murphy gets his first career start and plays at Quinn Ewers with his injured shoulder and comes in and gets a a lot of help from Xavier Worthy, Worthy to start the game off. Nice to settle in when he gets a 74-yard punt return for touchdown three minutes into the game. And then Murphy comes in, goes 16-25, 170 yards, two touchdown passes. Did throw a pick, but uh, good performance in the 35-6 win over BYU. And uh, Sark, so much praise after the game with Murphy saying he didn't stay because of NIL. They had their exit meeting at the end of the year, and he said he stayed because he wanted to be a part of the team and just wanted to make sure he had an opportunity to compete. And that's what makes him special, and that's why – I think our team loves him so much. So great first start for Malik Murphy. Stuck it out, competed, and now he gets on the field, gets a big win for the Longhorns. An embarrassment of riches in that quarterback room for Texas. Drew, I, I, I don't know. I know you do, I mean, and I'm going to bring it up, but talking about the evaluation of Malik Murphy, it was it was an, an interesting one, right? Coming out of Jay Sarah, here was this big kid, six foot five plus, Rocket arm can make any throw on the field, but it was up and down in terms of what you saw in high school. We end up sticking with him, putting him in the top two, four, seven. Two years later, here at Texas, he's had an opportunity to sit behind Quinn Ewers. Now Quinn Ewers banged up. Opportunity awaits. He comes in. Drew, I thought he played pretty well last week on this podcast. We talked about if we were going to see Arch Manning. If Quinn Ewers is giving you this, right, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, I think it's his show from here on out. You mean Malik Murphy with Quinn Ewers' sideline. But, yes, I get what you're saying. You know, I was checking, hey, is Arch getting in, Arch getting in? I think Malik is a good reminder for any evaluator out there. Traits, 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 upside. You know, we love the frame. You saw it. It's kind of like I'm not comparing him to DJ Lagway, the Florida commit here. But you remember you saw some throws out at the Elite 11 finals from Malik Murphy. You were like, wow, uh, there's no one else on this field that can do that. Now, can he do it every single snap? No. But the flashes are really, really good. And I think Malik Murphy, that is that is that is why you're drawn to him. That's why you want to get him on the field. That's why you want to get him reps. Uh, it's just like DJ Lagway in that sense of um, there are flashes that you like. So, no, encouraging performance from Malik Murphy. I love it. I love what we're sticking with this segment, uh, the redshirt freshman of the week. I thought Jalen Walker, the Georgia linebacker, was a candidate as well. So uh, I, I, I love it, McGrady. 
Yeah, former five-star Jalen Walker there as well. So Malik Murphy, big win for Texas. Texas playoff hopes still alive. Drew, let's get to a couple of honorable mentions here. NC State receiver Kevin Concepcion, another guy whose name we just continue to say. Five receptions, 83 yards, two touchdowns, two carries for 51 yards. NC State utilizing him in a big win over Clemson, 24 to 17, accounting for 66% of the team's offense. He was named 24-7 Sports True Freshman of the Week by our, our very own Chris Hummer. A couple other names on there. Miami offensive lineman, former five-star Francis Mauanoa, 56 snaps, 81.8 pass blocking grade from PFF in Miami's overtime win against UVA. Didn't give up a pressure and 30-plus blocking snaps. Boston College receiver Jaden Skeet also on there, four catches, 61 yards, had a nice one-hander as well. Drew, that you were make sure to make sure that we saw. Jaden Skeet, another guy we saw at the All-American Bowl, impressed. How about Boston College, what are they, 5-3 and three right now? Very quiet after a rough start. A couple other running backs, Ruben Owens, season high, 18 carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown in A&M's victory over South Carolina. And then Mark Fletcher, another Miami standout, 11 carries, 47 yards, game-winning touchdown in Miami's overtime win against UVA. Drew, any of uh, those names stand out to you? Just how about Miami's freshman class, right? Ruben Bain probably also deserved a spot on there. Had two sacks um, in the overtime win against Virginia. I mean, those guys are, are certainly playing, and, and they were the highly ranked guys. Jaden Wayne also getting some run uh, for Mario Cristobal in Miami. I mean, they kind of flex and, and put out there that they play the young guys, and they absolutely are. Uh, doing that. I thought Ruben Owens also getting some run. I don't know if you saw, had eyes on that Texas A&M game. He had some notable carries in there. And then DJ Hicks, former five-star defensive line. I think he played a dozen snaps or so for the Aggies in that win over South Carolina. That time of the year, you're starting to see some of these freshmen emerge a little bit more. And then, Drew, I mean, the other guy that keeps coming up, I said it in the beginning of the segment, Concepcion, right, from NC State that we highlighted in the beginning of the year as well. Great find for Joker Phillips, receiver coach over there at NC State. Guys, just a reminder, you are watching and tuning in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast with Andrew Ivins and Cooper Patagna every Tuesday and Wednesday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. You can also find us on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Drew, it was a little bit busier of a weekend in uh, a Monday than I thought in terms of commitments, decommitments, and one of those that came off the board yesterday. Very, uh, I would say, under the radar for a five-star Elijah Rushing, number two edge in the country, commits to Oregon, formerly committed to Arizona. Oregon moves up from 11th to 6th in the 2024 class rankings, would be the highest finish since being 6th in 2021. Second highest rated class in the Big Ten behind Ohio State, if you put them there today. It also gives Oregon 11 top 247 commitments. I love that stat in 2024. 24 in Dan Lanning's last two classes. Drew, we kind of talked about it yesterday on the recruiting show at 24-7 Sports. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast oregon feels like the only team of the newcomers in the big 10 from the pac-12 footprint right so when you consider that usc ucla and washington being the others they seem like the one that okay these guys are built for the big 10 but with the 12-team college football playoff also arriving in 2024, they seem like they're built nationally as well. Like, we, we talked about Oregon potentially going up against Georgia just a year later from where they started with Dan Lanning era. They look like a team that's not going anywhere for a long time. And the reason I say that is because of the way that they're building up front. And you think about guys like Mateo Yu, who has played well, Tatum Tuioti, and then you add in guys like Aiden Breland, Elijah Rushing. Who else is doing that on the West Coast? And that's a rhetorical question because no one else is. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest question for Oregon moving forward is, you know, what's the plan at quarterback post Bo Nix? You know, and I'm sure they're going to be, if they want to be active in the transfer portal, they're going to be an attractive destination. And that's because when you look at the two deep Cooper, it is built for success and success at the highest level. We just mentioned it earlier on the podcast. I mean, if you line up Oregon and Georgia right now, what is the spread for that game? Um, And I think a little over a year and a half ago when they opened up the season against each other, you would have said, you know, whatever it was, three touchdowns or so. I I think Oregon is impressive. Elijah rushing to me is a guy that's probably going to need some time before he's ready to go. But why can't you use him as a situational rusher early on in certain exotic packages. Uh, I like just in in general, the collection of talent they have assembled on that defensive side of the ball. Um, Guys that can do a little bit of everything. Um, And it starts in the secondary. I think it's going to be hard to score on Oregon if they can keep this defensive staff in place and these guys can keep progressing. So absolutely huge pickup for Oregon. Interested and excited to see how this defensive line unit's going to finish out. Um, but Elijah rushing, I mean, arrows pointing up. We've we've struggled to kind of find a, a player comparison for him. I don't, Coop, do you have one? It seems like every anytime anyone's over 6'5 these days, Greg Russo is the kind of the go-to, uh, the former Miami pass rusher who's now with the Buffalo Bills. I, I'm just not sure. Does he remind you of anyone? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. You see Eric Armstead on the screen right there in terms of the pro comparison. You know, I said yesterday – He's a puppy. He's got a six foot eight wingspan. He's got long arms. He's still growing, Drew. And I think the thing is, 
his game is starting to reflect where he is in his development. But overall, I mean, you don't know where this guy's going to play. I think he's athletic enough to play on the edge. He, he can also grow into 280 pounds, potentially play inside at the next level. So I think everything's out in front of him. I think the physical development, the technical development as well, he's only scratching the surface of what he's going to be at a player. And I think he's one of those guys, Drew, that are kind of rare inside the top 16. So the top half of the top 32, when you're talking about these five stars, right, where it's like, listen, their best football is still ahead of them. So the nutritional program, the strength conditioning program, the coaching, the player development part is, is all going to be really key for Elijah Rushing. I think he is a clay that needs to be molded. Fortunately, he's going to a spot with Dan Lanning, Tosh Lupoy, that know a thing or two. In terms of a name that comes to mind, I don't really have one. I was thinking about that yesterday. I think for Oregon fans, you probably think of those two guys in Armstead and Buckner, right, who have been there in the past, both kind of six-foot-six-plus linemen that can give you some inside-out ability. Yeah, it's just funny. I mean, you could kind of say the same stuff about LJ McRae, right? You know, our uh, guy we moved into the top 10 who's now headed to, to Florida. I mean, these are these are whatever you want them to be, just really going to depend on getting them in the strength program, how they physically develop, and you know what kind of scheme you want to use them. And I think that's what makes them unique is just that versatility and, and the ability to do different things. Drew, you talked about quarterback, and I'm just putting that out there a little bit. Ethan Garber has been the quarterback for UCLA, getting the run over the last couple of weeks. It was the Dante Moore show earlier in the season. I'm not saying it, but I am putting it out there. Is there a chance you think that maybe Dante Moore goes sniffing around and maybe says, you know what, Oregon looks pretty good right now. I think they need a guy post Bo Nix. I mean, that would that would quite be be quite the full circle, right? You circle know, it'd be like life. a year later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, circle of life. I mean, who knows? Right. You never know in today's college football. So that would be an interesting one to follow. I'm just putting it out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Just putting it out there. All right, LSU getting on the board. LSU kind of getting hot right now, Drew, on the recruiting trail. LSU flips Weston Davis, number 27, offensive tackle and four-star from Texas A&M out of the Beaumont area. Tigers up to number nine in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. And for more on this, we're going to bring in Ryan McGrady. We'll see what that flip moves up to the top 10 uh, for the fifth time in the last six years that they can finish in the top 10. It'll be an impressive fifth fifth. Top 10 finish in six years and gives LSU that sixth commitment from Texas in this cycle. That's the most they've had since 2017 when they had six that year. Drew, has um, anybody recruited offensive line better over the last two years in LSU? I, I, I look at what they've done. Will Campbell, Emory Jones, both those guys anchoring both sides of the line of scrimmage for LSU. And then you kind of look at some other pieces as well. Guys like DJ Chester, Paul Mupinga. Chester's played a little bit this year. Lance Hurd, I haven't even mentioned his name. He's gotten some run in the absence of Emory Jones going down with an ankle injury. And then you bring in this Weston Davis kid. You talk to the people around the LSU program. So much to like about him. Basketball background, plays right tackle. He is raw, but I love the developmental traits. Over a seven-foot wingspan, 36-inch arms. Drew, I don't know about you. You turn on the tape a little bit. You see a little bit of the Zalance Hurd. I don't think he's as physically developed as a Lance Hurd. I don't think he's as physical at the point of attack, but the traits are there to see why LSU should be excited about this pickup in Weston Davis. Well, he's a long reactionary guy that can recover. Um, to answer your question, I don't know 
off the top of my head right now if I'd say LSU has recruited the best in the country. I think there's some other programs out there over the past five cycles or past few cycles, but I do think LSU, if we're looking at the current SEC, you could certainly make that case just in terms of uh, the ceiling of that group. I mean, it is kind of traits, 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 long arms, basketball background. I mean, it's checking off boxes. I, I think this is an impressive get. You know, going to kind of fly a bit under the radar just given when it happened during the Tigers' bye week. But I think we can look up two, three years from now, and he is in that starting five and uh, a guy that could be there for multiple years. So um, nice pickup for LSU. You know, I think the question with them, and we keep bringing it up, is, you know, what, what what's the outlook look, look long-term on the defensive side of the ball? But offensively, uh, in the trenches, they they are set, or I should say, they have the pawns to be set at that position. LSU is still working uh, on a couple Texas A&M commits. Straylon Miller was one decommitted from the Aggies recently. Five-star Terry Bussey as well came down to Texas A&M in LSU. Drew, that's an interesting kind of rivalry we're starting to see on the recruiting trail a little bit. LSU also making some waves with five-star quarterback Bryce Underwood in the 2025 class. So LSU starting to pick it up on the recruiting trail there. Oklahoma, Drew, they got on the board as well. They pick up the number 11 safety in the country and Reggie Powers previously committed to Michigan State. And to me, Drew, this is what opportunistic programs do on the recruiting trail. Oklahoma jumps in there. They get themselves a very good player and a very new addition to the top 247 as well. That gives the Sooners 11 top 247 commitments in 2024. They've had 20 in the last two cycles. Drew, I, I love it. It may uh, have not come to fruition yet on the field, and I think a lot of Oklahoma fans will, will probably say, what are you talking about? But this team, a year or two from now, under Brent Venables defensively in terms of what they brought in over the last two cycles, I think this is going to be a team well-built for the SEC, and I think you're going to see them make a big leap over the next two years on that side of the ball as well. Coop, you know what stands out to me about this commitment is Oklahoma in Dayton, Ohio, right? I didn't have the time to, to look that up, but I would say it's probably been a while since they were in the Buckeye State trying to get a blue chipper. Opportunistic is the perfect word for this, but I think programs in the current setup, right, with NIL and all that stuff, what we've seen in recent cycles, regional recruiting in some instances, has died off a little bit. So you need to go national. You need to go find these guys. And I think them going to get Reggie Powers says a lot about what Brent Venables is is willing and wants to do. Kind of reminds me of when he was at Clemson, and they would look all over the country uh, for these difference makers and, and guys that can make an impact at the second level of the defense. So I think this is big. I, I would agree with you. You know, they take Peyton Bowen last cycle. Um, Akari Vickers in that secondary, and they're just following it up with another guy that we like a lot. So uh, agree, like this pickup for the Sooners, and I'm excited to see you know, what that defense looks like um, a, a year or two from now. Yeah, Jacoby Johnson also in that 2023 class. Reggie Powers a little bit different than all of them, 6'1", 200 pounds you see listed there. I think this is a guy who excels playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Very instinctive, Drew, especially in run support. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, he could be that kind of like overhang safety, playing in the box, one of those additional defenders, Drew. I wouldn't be surprised if he one day grows into a weak side linebacker. We'll see Brent Venables. He's got a good track record with some really kind of multi-dimensional defenders on the back end. So we'll see what happens with Reggie Powers. Drew, Colorado 
They land a Juco offensive tackle, Isaiah Walker. I don't know. I might just give you the floor on this one because this one <laughs> sounds like a pretty crazy story. But what do you know about this guy? Oh, I was talking about it last night with my wife, who I've known for six years from now. I, I, I said, I think I saw this kid play before I even met you. Um, Isaiah Walker, he was a former blue chip kid in the 2018 cycle, longtime South Carolina commitment, committed there as a junior when he was at Miami Norland High School, ends up decommitting. It's a Florida Miami battle. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Miami. That's back when Mark Richt was there. Ends up signing with Florida and rolls early, spends less than a month on campus uh, before entering the transfer portal. Transfers to Miami, right? At Miami, sits out the COVID 2020 season, then redshirts in 2021, leaves Miami. Uh, some, some talk down in South Florida that he's done with football and rolls at Butler Community College. Uh, starts getting some group of five offers before committing to Purdue. And I think the Boilermakers uh, announced him at one point as a signee, doesn't show up on campus, returns to junior college. And then next thing you know, Day before Halloween 2023, on my timeline, I see Isaiah Walker uh, has committed to Colorado. So uh, a few different thoughts here, okay? <laughs> I mean, Coach Prime made some interesting comments after that loss to UCLA about his offensive line. And we know UCLA is really good up front. Uh, not surprising that they struggled to protect Shadur Sanders. Um, but I thought... Prime saying, "Hey, we're we're just gonna go get new offense alignment." It's like that's a lot. It's a lot, you know, easier said than done. Uh, I, Isaiah Walker has the traits. The big issue is he hasn't played college football in five years. So I'm sure, you know, there's some Colorado fans out there that are gonna start penciling Isaiah Walker into their projected two deep for the 2024 season, but. Um, you know, I think I think Colorado. We need to see a little bit more out of them, and that's why I said when they uh, got Jordan Seaton in for an official visit or an unofficial visit a few months. I think he might be the mo one of the more important targets out there for the Buffs, just because he's a guy that could play early. But I'm I'm interested to see you know what direction they go when it comes to uh, refortifying that offensive line because. You know, at, at Jackson State, you know, they didn't they weren't really in the market for a bunch of O-line transfers. Now, uh, you know, through a year uh, in Boulder, they really haven't attacked that, you know, the offensive line unit either. And Isaiah Walker, he could absolutely hit, um, you know, but this is this might be a little fool, fool's gold. Pretty wild path for our boy Isaiah Walker there. And if you're wondering, if you're a Colorado fan, why would we take this kid? Drew said he's from the class of 2018. He no-showed at Purdue bunch of other crazy stuff well as drew alluded to colorado's they've given up 42 sacks this season only old dominion has allowed more and that's just one more sack with 43 so you're talking about one of the worst units in college football when it comes to pass protection if you're Deion sanders i get it you got to take a shot right so even if you got to go to juco and grab a guy with a crazy story sometimes it just calls for it <laughs> And Coop, I think the other thing, you know, not to get too into the weeds here, but obviously I talked to a lot of college coaches and personnel people, you know, the junior college route is kind of a little more attractive at times when you're looking for, if you know you need an offensive tackle, think about it. When that transfer portal window opens up, everyone is going after the same, you know, few bodies that enter, right? I mean, you look up and the next thing you know, a group of five offensive tackle transferring, he'll have 25 offers, 
the luxury about recruiting junior college offensive linemen is you can talk to them right now, talk to them, you know, legally. I'm sure there's plenty of back channel conversations going on, uh, but you can visit them at this point right now. So I, I, I guess maybe I should not be as harsh on this take for Colorado. It, from that sense, it, 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 it does, you know, you're adding a number in a, a veteran body in, in terms of just how mature he is from a physical standpoint. Colorado, they'll also, Drew, I want to bring this up. They'll also get a visit from Florida commit, defensive line commit, top 247 defensive lineman, Nasir Johnson out of the state of Georgia. Georgia pushing for him as well. Drew, that's not nothing, right? I mean, this this kid, I, I like a lot. I, I think he's got top 64 traits. He is a big body, really good athlete, powerful at the point of attack. And he's one of those guys you kind of see uh, like Florida, Georgia fits the mold of what they're, they've been building on the defensive line, how big of a get would Nasir Johnson be for Colorado? Yeah, Colorado's like low-key got some traction there in the Peach State. That is one area where they continue to invest re- resources. Amante Bradford, um, a high three-star edge rusher from us, he OV'd and ended up committing there. They they got Cam Michael on campus. Uh, you know, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Na- Na- Nasir Johnson. I think we were ahead of the curve there when we moved him up in the rankings, two-way player out of Dublin, Georgia high school. He can do a standing backflip, a state placer in both the shot put and the discus. I watched the tape and I'm like, okay, not a lot of guys move like this. Not a lot of guys can make plays like him um, and create negative plays. So I, I, I do agree. Kind of just an interesting, fascinating storyline to like follow this weekend or, or just where that, where that recruitment goes, because you know, six months ago, no one really knew who Nasir Johnson was. It's funny when you talk to college personnel types around the country and you, you kind of take their temperature on Colorado. They're like, yeah, they're the wild card. We just don't know, right? Like it, all of a sudden you could be feeling really good about a kid in recruitment and then out of nowhere, there's Colorado, right? And they are able to kind of gain ground pretty quickly. We'll see what happens with Nas Johnson, Draylon Miller, another guy that we mentioned as well. Colorado picking up steam there too. I meant to ask you this when we did the Cover 3 podcast. You call him Nas Johnson. Is that is that you just coming up with that, or is that no, somebody, actually his no, name? Somebody has said that before. I, I didn't just go oh, rogue on that and go out on my own. Big Nas, well, I love man. it. Yeah, Big Nas Johnson. Right? I love it. <laughs> Nas Johnson, name to know. Drew, on the decommitment side, starting to get that time of the year. Trevor Jackson is going to kick it off for us, number 29 quarterback in the country. He decommits from Ole Miss. We kind of had some questions when he committed to Ole Miss because Ole Miss – they have a really stacked quarterback room when you think about what they have in there. Spencer Sanders, he won't be there after this year. Jackson Dart, we'll see what happens with him. Will Howard, Austin Simmons, that's four dudes right there. And I get it, you got to project it out a year later. But Trevor Jackson's like, where does he fit? We got to see him at the Elite 11 Finals, Drew. Up and down performance, certainly talented. This year, not starting at Orlando Jones, kind of throws a wrench in the evaluation process. And I can imagine maybe had something to do with it for Ole Miss, even though we're speculating there. But pretty interesting nonetheless. He's going to be a guy for us, Drew, that I think is going to be a pretty fascinating case study once he makes his way to college. Well, I'm glad this made it on on the rundown, uh, Trevor Jackson. You know, we talked about him a ton coming out of the Elite 11 Finals. He won the rail shot challenge there. I mean, his good, like we were saying with Malik Murphy, you know, just a few minutes ago, is really good. And he, I've always been a fan of him throwing on air. We, we've seen it. 
Um, but the issue is he just hasn't got a ton of valuable game reps. And we've highlighted that in the past. That is essential um, to the quarterback developmental process. He was at West Orange High School as a junior, got dinged up late, goes ahead and transfers into Orlando Jones for his senior season. His mom is the head of the English department there. Uh, Orlando Jones traditionally makes deep runs in the state playoffs. You think he would be the starter, but he ends up splitting reps with a 2026 quarterback prospect. And I saw Orlando Jones play earlier in the season. Trevor Jackson didn't get in till the fourth quarter. To date, he has thrown 62 passes. He's also ran for 378 yards and six touchdowns. I think we like the idea of Trevor Jackson, but he's a guy that's going to need to go somewhere where he can sit and run the scout team. He just needs to play football. Um, I've had schools hit me up about him, some ACC programs. Hey, you know, what's what's the deal with Trevor Jackson? I know UNLV just offered him a scholarship. Um, I'm not giving up on him. I, I'm excited to see, you know, who, who takes him, right, and who's going to give him some time to develop uh, because he does have the, the tools, you know, to be a difference maker on Saturdays. I think it's all about – environment you mentioned reps and I'm, I'm i'm glad you brought up malik murphy because a lot of people were down on malik murphy especially his senior year and you kind of looked across the board statistically left a lot to be desired you mentioned the lack of reps for trevor jackson i think that's a big part in terms of what we've seen and maybe the lack of development for him i think the environment's going to have to be right i think you're going to have to find a coach a play caller that certainly believes in that particular skill set of a guy like trevor jackson if you can find the right environment we talk about that all the time what is that right play callers protection playmakers if you can put him in that spot let him sit a year or two we've seen what that that has been able to do for a guy like Malik Murphy who I think we would both agree was pretty raw coming out of high school we could see but I, I agree with you whether it's a second tier power five program whether it's a, a team like UNLV in the group of five, I think that makes sense for him. He's got to find the right spot and hopefully finds a coaching staff that believes in him as well. All right, Drew, one of our last segments here, a little crystal balling, right? So over the last couple of days, a couple of names that have been crystal balled. This one is super intriguing. Came down on the rundown, did a little homework on it this morning. Carson Gordon out of Episcopal in Texas, number 69 quarterback. Crystal ball to UCLA, Drew, a member of your 2023 Freaks list, 51-foot-plus triple jump, 6'4", 170 pounds. He also recorded 447 on the 40-yard dash, and he's got a 37-inch vertical to his name. I mean, you want to talk about intriguing. Here it is. <laughs> well, he's the Gatorade Boys Track and Field Athlete of the Year in Texas. I don't think people understand how difficult that is to do. I mean, just like qualifying for states in Texas – I mean, heck, just qualifying for districts is a big deal, just given the population. Yeah, he's someone I've had my eyes on. You know, we've talked about moving him up in the rankings and, and potentially reclassifying him as an athlete. I was talking to Mike Roach, our insider in the Lone Star State on Monday. Sounds like UCLA is saying right now, hey, we'll give you a chance to play some quarterback um, if you were to come to Los Angeles. I, I would just take this kid and figure it out kind of later Cooper you know who he reminds me of is Thomas Castellanos the quarterback at Boston College who leads college football and rushing from the quarterback position at the FBS level he was also on my inaugural freaks list kind of the same thing track athlete soccer player um, Carson Gordon 
he's he's dynamic, man. And I, you know, Chip Kelly to me, I, I, it, it feels like that's kind of like a weapon for him if he were to end up there. So um, I I don't know this one. This one gets me excited. Throws it well enough that I think he could fit within a scheme that a coach like Chip Kelly has a vision for him. Right. But I think most programs, Drew, it kind of reminds me very different players, but in terms of how they're recruited, it kind of reminds me of Jelani McDonald, right? Played quarterback out of Waco in Texas, then gets a lot of traction late as an athlete. TCU, Texas go back and forth, ends up sticking with the Longhorns. This is a guy that I'm surprised more teams that say, you know what, Carson, listen, we're going to get you here and we're going to figure it out, whether that's going to be an offense skill side or defensive skill side. You were the caliber of athlete that we won in the program. You turn on the tape certainly justifies that so a super fascinating name to kind of watch down the line here UCLA Drew I think they're on to something like you said I think it's more hey let's get you in the program stash you develop you and we'll figure it out later hey if they sign him right NCAA 2024 give me that UCLA offense you got Dante Moore and then I could have Carson Gordon and some situational packages could use him as a slot jet sweep Throw it to him out of the backfield, kick return. I, dude, sign me up with those baby blue jerseys. I like how you're thinking, man. I feel like you've been thinking about this game for a while, as we all have. Cannot wait until that comes out. All right, Drew, another crystal ball. Jamari Howard, number seven cornerback in the country, also a top two, four, seven standout. Crystal ball to Florida State. He's planning to announce on November 10th. Florida, Maryland, Michigan State. Rutgers also in the mix, Drew. This is a guy that I really like. You see the size there, 6'2", 175 pounds. Fluid athlete, Drew. There's some things that still need to come together. But you can't teach the combination of height, weight, speed of Jamari Howard. If the Knowles are able to get this one done, Drew, this is one of those guys that wouldn't be surprised two to three years from now. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, this is going to be a guy that's you're going to hear his name a lot nationally. And I think one day could end up outperforming his current grade projection. Yeah, I mean, the guys at Knowles 247 are the ones that put in these crystal ball picks. Uh, when Florida State did their satellite camp at FAU back in June, Jamari Howard was there in the building. Um, so they've been working this one for a while. And Jamari at one point was committed to Michigan State. He's taken official visits uh, to Rutgers. I mean, it's just been a, it's been a South Florida recruitment. Um, but I think this, this guy would be kind of fit what the Seminoles want to do on the defensive side of the ball. And Cooper, what they like to do, every defensive back's going to first get a look at corner and then they'll move you to safety. That's normally the case. I think Jamari Howard with that length, keep him out there. Uh, and I saw Miami Norland play a few weeks ago. They're having a heck of a season down in Miami-Dade County. We're always talking usually about Miami Central, Miami Northwestern. Uh, well, Miami Norland, uh, has put it together. They're loaded on the defensive side of the ball, and Jamari Howard's one of the top players. He can shut down one side of the field, go get the football. I think the most impressive stuff he has put on tape is when he was a junior returning punts at Hylia Westland. I mean, long stride, runs like a deer, uh, and can get open. So Florida State is able to close this. He's going to announce on November 10th. It, it just goes back to what I've been saying about the Seminoles in South Florida. Mike Norvell has invested a ton of time in recruiting that, that area, the Tri-County area, and this would be a, a big one, right? Hakeem Williams, Conrad Hussey, Armando Blunt, now Jamari Howard. Yeah, I would be a huge fan of this pickup if Mike Norbell and company can get this done. It, Drew, they seem like a team to me that is just obviously through the transfer portal the last two years under Mike Norvell, but high school, they seem to continue to just – 
kind of tipped the scales in their favor when it comes to the talent composition of their roster. Jamari Howard would be another one. Drew Makai Danzi, I know a guy that we have listed as a running back. I, I kind of think his future is as a defensive back. You think about that length, that athleticism, you add him with a guy potentially like Jamari Howard. Drew, I don't know. Florida State just seems dangerous to me, the outlook over the next two to three years. You know what the secret sauce, I think, kind of is that, that no one really talks about with Florida State? Yes, they get the transfers in. Yes, they go after some of the blue-chip guys. But Mike Norvell and that staff, dude, they've hit on some some guys that would be ranked 15 to 20 in the class. Sykeem Brown is a guy making plays in the back end. Rodney Hill, a, a running back for them. He's, he seems to be next up at Florida State. I'm always impressed with just kind of that, that second or third tier uh, you know, guys that fit their system, they believe in them, they coach them up. I- I've noticed more and more of that when you when you pop on a Florida State game. You're like, okay, I remember them taking this kid at the time. You know, he was he wasn't one of the headliners of the class, but you know they've stuck with him, and, and now he's making an impact. It is a personnel show. We got to give our buddy over there, Derek Ray, general manager of Florida State, doing a great job. Came over from Oregon State. Drew, that's kind of the first thing I thought of. They did a really good job of that at Oregon State. You play them at Washington, you'd be like, where the hell are these guys coming from? They just beat your ass for an hour up and down the field. So great job, Florida State, especially on the identification evaluation front. Drew, the last one here, Ivan Taylor. If you're wondering why that name might sound familiar, 2025 safety, one of the best in the country, son of Ike Taylor of the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajun, I believe, as well. He spent the weekend in South Bend to see Notre Dame's victory over Pittsburgh. And like father, like son, Drew, he's kind of a baller. Notre Dame and the Irish get a big crystal ball from Ivan Taylor to Notre Dame. Drew, this would be a huge pickup for Marcus Freeman. Yeah, this one came via Tom Loy, our good buddy, friend of the show, Ivan Taylor to me is like designed in a lab for Notre Dame. And the reason why I think that is he's a high IQ football player. And obviously he's got NFL bloodlines and really good NFL bloodlines. But I always go back to this Under Armour camp. I think it was in March or in April. Ivan Taylor was awarded MVP by the coaches working the camp. And he was kind of visibly like upset about it because he didn't think he had the best of days. And I just think that speaks to Ivan's mindset. Um, You know, he just is a Notre Dame type of recruit. And I'm currently in the process of auditing these 2025 safeties in in advance of next month's update. And I think Ivan Taylor is one of the safest bets of the bunch. Now, do I think he's the top guy out there? I'm not sure yet, right? I'm not sure what maybe – the ceiling is, but I think the floor is pretty high and I think he could play multiple safety roles. I think he's athletic enough to potentially use him as a slot defender. Um, always gets to the catch point, you know, just kind of knows where to be. And I think that says a lot. So Notre Dame, it will be a big pickup in the sunshine state, an area where they've had success before. So there you have it. Carson Gordon at UCLA on the crystal ball. Jamari Howard at Florida State. And Ivan Taylor, one of the best safeties and defensive backs in 2025 to Notre Dame. Keep an eye on those three. We'll see what happens with them down the line. And Drew, before we get out of here, big trip. Big trip for the Ivans family to Germany, Frankfurt, Germany. The road to the D1 Combine. Also, 
International All-Star Bowl as well. You were taking my spot this year, Drew. We were very lucky and fortunate enough at 24-7 Sports that we get the opportunity to cover an event like this. Last year, over 150 international prospects from all over the world came to Essen, Germany. This time it is in Frankfurt, Germany. Drew, just the article you put out on it yesterday, kind of previewing the event. What are you most looking forward to with your trip across the pond? Uh, German food? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, just seeing different guys. I think this is a unique experience. And I know you went, uh, Barton Simmons went two, a couple years before that out to the Netherlands. Look, the international boom or international prospects aren't necessarily new, but I think there is more and more of a market for them. And, and people, Brandon Collier, who runs PPI Recruits and is putting on these two events, he brought it up. Hey, you know, I've had Power 5 schools asking me all month long, hey, how do I get access to the testing data? How do I get footage from this camp? Because they want to recruit some of these kids. And uh, you got a linebacker that's headed to Alabama there. He brought up that if Nick Saban's going over the pond, other people are going to look over the pond for this talent. And I think the big thing is, you know, football – Genetics plays a, a big, big role. You can develop skill and you can and you can coach skill, uh, but at the end of the day, you know it, it, it's height, weight, speed, right? That's going to be the separator. Uh, and if you're playing percentages, you're looking for guys and overseas and, and Germany and and other Europe and all that stuff. There are some big individuals, so. Uh, I think this is a trend here to stay here to stay. I'm excited to hear some of these kids stories. I mean, like one of them, um, they got Duncan Brune, a Ohio running back commit, right? Mom was an Olympic swimmer. He's part of the Olympic bobsled team for Germany. I'm just, I'm just interested. I like that stuff. Just kind of getting a chance to interact with the kids and, um, you know, hear, hear them out and watch them perform. I will say the, the, trip across a pond last year it was illuminating in fact of it's such a huge deal to have an american media presence there it's not so much me or you or anybody like that but the opportunity to be seen for these kids is a huge opportunity you mentioned duncan brune great background right mom was an olympic sw swimmer trains with the german bobsled team as well and then you see him in person quick twitch explosive you see the work that these kids put in and, and and the thing is not to say take anything away from american football but these kids are introduced the majority of them to the game of american football later in life so a lot of what they're experiencing is new Last year, I got the opportunity to see a, a full contact scrimmage. That was something as well. So these kids are going to be jazzed up for you, Drew, when you get there. And they just want to learn, I think, anything as well, any type of antidote that you can give them on, on how to get better. Uh, it's an awesome opportunity. Brandon Collier, our friend at PPI, does an unbelievable job with those guys, getting them opportunities here in the States. So, Drew, great opportunity for 24-7 Sports. We'll be in Frankfurt, Germany to cover that event. You can stay locked in to see everything and all his coverage on that on 247sports.com. You can also stay locked in with the Oyster Boys wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple included, and the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. For Andrew Ivins, for Ryan McGrady in his closet, I'm Cooper Patagna. Happy Halloween. Be safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow with Bud Elliott. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.